Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from him. And uh, we need to, to remind ourselves because there are some challenging days, aren't there? I guess some of you over here, you don't have challenging days, but I heard a couple of you respond over here. Yeah, we have challenging days. God never said that it wouldn't be challenging. As a matter of fact, Jesus made a promise that many of us would not put on our refrigerator. He, he promised, he said, in this world you'll have tribulation, challenging times. And, and when we see something that looks like it's challenging, it's not going to be enjoyable, not going to be fun, and, and it's not something we desire. What, what, what is our response to that? Do we run towards it? Some of you don't even want to answer this morning. I guess you're saving it all for this afternoon. We, we, we want to try and avoid it. But understand, your God isn't a God that causes you to avoid things. He's not around. He doesn't take you necessarily around. Now, he may because we need to learn some things. But our God is a through God. He's going to bring you through. And the reason why he doesn't want us to avoid things is because if we start adjusting our life according to the things we don't like and don't want and don't, don't understand, then we're going to be moving ourselves in a way that's not being led by God. We're being directed by something other than God, and whenever we're directed by anything other than God, we can't have what God has. Because what's behind that keeping us from, from following God is really the bottom line, it's the enemy. And what, what's his plan for every person's life? To steal, kill, and destroy. So every time we make a decision not based on what God is directing us to, we're moving closer and closer to the, allowing the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. I just want that to sink in. Because you and I, we each, every day, multiple times throughout the day, we're making decisions. And there's somebody that is always there with us. As believers in Jesus Christ, he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's right there. He cares. And he can do more than anybody else. But many times we face what we face thinking we're alone and we've got to do the best we know how. But how many of you know somebody else knows better? Well, I will tell you, God knows not just better, he knows best all the time. And he'll lead us through what we face because then you don't have to worry about it coming after you. When you go through it and see God do what he does, you'll never have to fear what that was again because you know what God can do. And that's why our life isn't a life of avoidance. Our life is intentionally choosing to submit and follow God, his spirit, and his word because there is nothing better. Amen? And that's, that's why we're, we're learning what we're learning. You know, before this, this year started, I started to teach about the kingdom of God. And even after this year started, I began to, to go towards scriptures that God had given me, and I felt like I was supposed to share with you. And we've been learning about the kingdom of God, but we, we've been learning recently about the plans and times of God. God has a plan, right? What does Jeremiah 29, 11 say? God says, I know, and this is the New Living Translation, you may quote it into something else. I know the plans that I have for you, plans for good and not for evil or destruction, with a future and a hope. Now that hope isn't the hope we talk about when we're just talking in the streets. I hope it doesn't rain. Because that hope is a questionable, unsure expectation. But the hope, the Bible hope, the God of all hope, when we sang Jesus is our hope, that hope is a confident expectation. It's just the opposite of what hope in the world is. Hope in the kingdom of God is a confident expectation. Hope in the world is a questionable expectation. 
but he has a plan for you for good with a future and a confident expectation of good. That should set our minds and our hearts at ease. You know, when we start to get anxious about things, you need to recognize what, what are you focused on? What are you considering? What are you allowing to roll around in your mind, your thoughts? And if it's causing you to become more anxious, don't do it. It's like the man that went to the doctor. He said, Doc, when I do this, it hurts. And the doctor said, don't do it. Yeah, $25 copay. <laughs> but that's where, that's where, recognize, we, we, not God has the final say in our life unless we let him. The devil doesn't have the final say in our life, life unless we let him. You and I choose, just like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will choose to serve the Lord. We've got to choose. Who are we going to listen to? Who are we going to look to? Who are we going to trust? Who are we going to rely on? And if the answer is anything other than Jesus, then we're misunderstanding and we're in deception because there's no one and there's nothing other than God. Our Heavenly Father, His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit that has the best in mind for you. And can bring it to pass if you and I will partner with him. And that's why it's so important to understand we're part of a new kingdom. There are only two kingdoms. There are all sorts of kingdoms in this world, but they fall under one or two of the only kingdoms. The kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of life, or the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of the enemy, the kingdom of death. And that's what's behind everything that's going on. And so we need to recognize we're part of a new kingdom. There's a new way to live. And if we try and live in a new kingdom with the old ways, it won't work. It'll frustrate us and it'll give the enemy an opportunity to operate in our lives. And so in this new kingdom, we need to to find out about it. And we've been finding out about the kingdom of God. But we've recently been finding out about the plans of God and the timing, the seasons of God. And I'll remind you in, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, it says that a man's heart plans his way. A man's heart plans his way. But there's a problem with that. First of all, it's easy for us to plan our ways, isn't it? And even though it's easy for us to figure out or think about or project out what our plans are, how many of you know everything we plan doesn't come to pass? You ought to be happy for that. Uh, but, but do you know that even in America, only one-third of all Americans have any plan for their life? Do you have a life plan? Because if you don't, you're just kind of, Going by the seat of your pants. That's not the best way. But when we do have a plan, how many of you know our plans don't necessarily line up with God's plans? And we already talked about God's plan. What's God's plan? It's the best. It's for good with a future and a hope. But if we choose anything other than his plan, we're not going to get what he promised. As a matter of fact, we're warned twice in the same book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. Chapter 16, verse 12. I think it is. Let me, let me get it for you if you want it. Proverbs 16, 25 and Proverbs 14, 22. It says, there is a way that seems Good or right? Seems. How many of you know everything you see isn't what it seems? Right? And the enemy who's come to steal, kill, and destroy is coming as a deceiver. 
The Bible says he comes as what? Anybody remember? An angel of light, but he's darkness. So he is deceptive. That's how he carries out his plans. He deceives people. And in these days, the Bible says many will deceive, be deceived and will deceive many. And where there's deception, there's loss. So there's a way that seems right, but it's a deception. Because it goes on to say, whose end is the way of death. Something seems right, seems good, but it's not. What it really actually is, in spite of how we perceive it, its end is death. That should show us we can't count on us, on our ability to determine good or bad. Because it's not a choice between good or bad. It's between God and everything else. There are things that seem good, but they're really not. The only way we can be assured is to keep our focus on God, our trust in God and in his word and in, in the leading of Holy Spirit. He's not left us alone. It's not like he said, here's a map, go, go to it. He's given us wisdom in his word, but he's also given him himself in his spirit so that our lives would have everything we need if we would apply ourselves to knowing what the word of God says and recognizing the leading of Holy Spirit. And how do we, how do we recognize the leading of anybody? Yeah, you get to know him. You become familiar. I was, I was talking to a, a person I'd never met before, and they were telling me about how they really enjoy skiing, and their, their wife <clears throat> was blind, but she enjoys skiing too. And he said, it's an amazing thing that I'm her guide. I'm her eyes. And even though she can't see anything, she trusts my directions, my guidance over what she thinks because she can't see. And listen, the reality is we can see things in this world, but the things that you can't see are as real as the things you can see. And there's more that is unseen than seen. And just like this, this wife that was so trusting of her husband that he would say on your right on your left slow down steep all the directions that he gave all the guidance that he gave she would respond to and what did that enable her to do something that would seem to all of us impossible But she was able to enjoy something because she had no fear and complete trust of someone she knew. It's very true about us. We don't have to have fear in this life. We have somebody right there with us that will give us the guidance, the direction, the input that we need to be able to let go of all the fear and enjoy the life he has for us. This morning we're going to continue on learning about the plans and, and times and seasons that God has for us. And, and we, we went to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1. And this is going to be up <clears throat> excuse me, on the screens. But I'd like to pray before we really dig in. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you, Father, for each and every person that made the effort and the choice to be here in person or those that are online that made the, the time to uh, connect in and, and worship you and praise you with us and, and hear from your word. Father, we know that you're a rewarder. And as each one has made that choice to seek you, your word says they'll find you. Father, we thank you for revealing to us yourself more fully and completely, that we would know you, 
And as we know you, we would trust you. And as we trust you, we would obey you. And Father, also thank you. Thank you, thank you. That as your word goes forth, you said that it would illuminate, bring light into our lives. We ask Holy Spirit who lives in each one of us who are yours to bring revelation of that word so that we understand the power in it and the provision that we could apply it to our life and experience transformation. Lord, I thank you today for your word that will not return void, but it will accomplish that which you set it forth to accomplish and prosper in the way it goes. Father, I thank you that you would use me to speak your word to your people, your beloved, that we would continue, continually be, continue to be built up, becoming the church that the gates of hell would not prevail against. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, it says, To everything, that, that, that's all-encompassing, to everything, there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose throughout your life. And, and he wants to fulfill his plan and purpose in your life, but there are times and seasons. And so it's, it's important that we realize we can't just have the plan of God. We need the plan of God, but we can't just have the plan of God. Because if we have the plan of God, but we don't have the timing of God, how many of you know it? It's not necessarily going to work out the way God intended. We've got to have the whole package. And you may say, I, I don't even know the plan of God. Well, if you read the Bible, you'll begin to understand the plans that God has for us. This is not something that God's going to download to us just because we're sitting. As a matter of fact, God tends to use people that are already being used. And as we're faithful, the Bible says, in little, he'll give us more. But we've got to show our faithfulness. And many times as Christians, we think we're waiting on God. Rarely are we ever waiting on God. God's usually waiting on us because what God's doing in the time we think that we're waiting on him is he's trying to develop us and prepare us for what he's planned for us. There are none of us that are completely prepared right now for what he has in our future. There's a growing that has to happen and there's a dying that has to happen. What are you talking about? I'm talking about there are things that we have to begin to develop in our lives, like the fruit of the Spirit. Hello? And there are other things. The Bible says we put on the new man that's renewed in righteousness and true holiness. Holiness is part of what God is doing in the church these days because Jesus is coming back. But who is he coming back for? The church. His bride. Have you ever seen a bride at a wedding walk in and her dress is torn and ripped and, and dirty and she looks like she's just been dragged through the parking lot? No. She looks beautiful. She's got this beautiful dress on that there's no wrinkle. There's no dirt on. Every hair, well, every hair in place. Gorgeous, glowing. I'm telling you, right now, his bride is not in that condition right now. That's us. He's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. That means that there are things that need to go. Put off the old man and put on the new man that's renewed in righteousness and true holiness. We're in a season of preparation. Even though you may be right now in the middle of being obedient to God and walking out his plan for your life, and I hope you are, because we should always be currently 
obedient to the plan of God, the purpose of God for our life in the time of God right now. But we also should be preparing for the plan that God has for us that causes us to be stretched and enlarged, developed. The Bible says, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. There's a stretching. There's an enlarging. There's a development that needs to happen right when we're continuing to do what God has for us to do at the moment because what's ahead? Look at David's life when he was a shepherd. David, David watched the flock of God and there was a lion that came and he took care of the lion. But it didn't end there. There was a bear that came, and he faced down the bear. But then he faced the most daunting adversary he would ever face that caused men's hearts to fail, and that was the giant. And the way he was able to face the giant was because God had developed him and shown his faithfulness through the lion and the bear. And David was able to look at the giant and say, you know what, you're not too much for the God that gave me the lion and the bear. That's why we go through things. Because we, as David, can say, you know what? As big and bad as you are, whatever we're facing, you're not too much for the God that brought me through all these other things. That's why I don't look for escape. Look for God to develop you in the midst of what you're facing. Because when he brings you through, you don't have to worry about it coming after you because you've already seen God defeat it. If he did it once, he can do it again and again and again and again. Amen? So to everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose in heaven. We saw how this happened when we were looking at David's life when he was being made king, when he was anointed as king in his father's house, Samuel the prophet came and anointed him as king. 14 years later, how many of you know 14 years is a long time? I guess it all depends on how old you are. But 14 years was a long time for David to wait to see the fulfillment of God's plan. He was in a season. It was in a time. But in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, and this won't be up there, we talked about this, how David had lived all this life of 14 years where he was, he was in exile and, and the king that was currently the king was trying to kill him and he was alone and, and you know the worst of the worst people came to him because they were looking for something and God turned these people into the mighty men of David. But at the right time, in, in 1 Chronicles 12, it says, at the right time, all Israel gathered. And we have a listing of all the tribes and the families and the people and, and uh, how, how expert they were at war and things like that. And now, the previous king had died. And they came with one heart to fulfill the word of the Lord to make David king over Israel. But there's one family in this list of thousands of people that it says, and the sons of Issachar had understanding of the time and knew what Israel ought to do. There was understanding. God gives us wisdom and understanding. And yet, how often, how often do we look to him for that? I mean, we've got, we've got a real challenge in our time that other generations didn't have like we have. We can jump online and we can get information about anything. And it's, for some of us, easy for others of us that are older, we're, we're trying to learn. 
but you can, you've got all this information like that. And it's real easy to get online and seek the wisdom of the world instead of getting on our knees and seeking the wisdom of God. But I will tell you something, and I don't want to burst your bubble, so don't hate me for this. Don't send me emails or notes or texts. Did you know that everything you read on the internet might not be true? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't see any kids in here. It's like the Easter Bunny. Becky, talk to him. But everything you learn from God, from his word, is always true. And what does truth do? Sets us free and keeps us free. Whereas what we learn from any other source, if it's not true, it will rob us. It will imprison us. It will limit us. You know, when you, you feel something in your body and you go on WebMD. Yeah, I know. A lot of you do that, don't you? And you scare yourself. You know, it may or may not be. And you're going to read all this diagnosis and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. You know what? It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. I'm not saying don't go to doctors, but I'm telling you, go to doctors with your faith in God because he can use them as instruments of his healing, and he does. But our faith needs to be first and foremost in God. Our first choice, our first turn, our first resort, not our last, needs to be God because there's nobody that can do for us what God can do. And so... We, we need to realize that, that this is the way it works for everything. There's a plan of God that for you. There's a season and a time for that plan. And we looked at David and saw how it worked out. And, and he was made king. Now, was it easy? No. But we need to be aware, just like the sons of Issachar were aware of the time and knew what Israel ought to do. When you become aware of God's plan and God's timing, you're going to know what to do. You're not going to be there like, I don't know what to do. God's given you his plan. He'll give you his timing. He'll lead you in it by his spirit. That's everything we need. But it's not as easy as jumping online. It's not as easy as talking to this one or that one. It's not as easy as searching out. You know, people go online to read the prophecies. Listen, I want to tell you something right now. As a believer under the new covenant, you're not led by prophecy. Is prophecy of God? Yes, it can be, but it's not to be led by. Under the new covenant, when a prophet speaks, it should be to affirm and confirm what you already know. It's, if it causes you to stop and say, oh, I didn't know that then you may recognize you're not really seeking God the way you need to. But it's easy. We can get a word from this one and that one and the other one. But again, you don't know. Because everything that God does, he should have already begun to reveal it to you if you're open to hearing from what he, what he has for you. Now, if you're not open... It's going to be a surprise because you wanted to go to Florida, uh, Montana, uh-oh, <laughs> I got myself in trouble. I do that every Sunday. Somebody here I'm going to get in trouble with because I say something. I don't know what's going on in your life. I got enough to deal with in my life. And so if I say something that kind of hits home with you, Talk to God. All right?
talk to God. <laughs> I'm having trouble getting back. But, but, you know, we have this plan of going to Florida. God's thinking, you're going to go to Montana. And we're like, no, I don't want to go to Montana. I had a plan. I was going to go play hockey at University of Pennsylvania or lacrosse at University of Maryland. And God had a plan. My plan seemed to be pretty good. I was really looking forward to it. And God's plan didn't seem so good. He wanted me to go to Ohio <laughs> to a town that was tinier than the town I lived in, to a town I had never heard the name of. Listen, Marietta. Sounds like a thriving metropolis. And as I prayed, I could not shake it. That's where I was supposed to go. And I was going unwillingly. Because my parents had told me, if you go to University of Maryland, University of Pennsylvania, we'll buy you a car because we don't have to pay for school. That's a no-brainer. But everything within me, I knew I couldn't do it. I had to go to this little stinking town, to this little college, and it gets better, that had no lacrosse and no hockey. What was I going to do? I guess I would have to study, <laughs> which I didn't do very well. But little did I know, going to that little town, that little college that didn't have anything that really interested me, I would find the greatest gift outside of God's son's salvation. In my life, I would find my wife. <laughs> Debbie's turning red. And I may be too. But that's where God's plan always is better, even though it doesn't look like it. It always is the best. And we need to know the plan of God and the times of God and not, not mess around with what we think is better because we can't trust us. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we looked at this where it says in verse 1 and 2, but concerning times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Paul is writing to this group saying, hey, you know what? I don't need to explain the times and the seasons that you're in. Why would that be? Because he doesn't want them to be aware you think that's why he said, I don't need to write you because I'm going to keep you in the dark? No, he said it because he knew they knew already about times and seasons. Even though it says, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. That sounds like you can't know. But understand, there's a difference between knowing the day and the hour, which throughout the New Testament, it says no one knows the day or the hour of the coming of the Lord, the Son of Man. But we can know the season and the time. And we should know. Because in verse 4 through 6, it goes on to say this. But friends, you're not in the dark. So how could you be taken off guard by this? Now, this is where we're living in the end days. How can we be taken off guard by this? If we don't know what the Word of God says, we won't know and see that everything that's happening in our society, in our world, is already written in the Word of God. Matthew chapter 24 and a variety of other places in the Scripture in the New Testament, we see exactly what's going on and the stuff that's freaking a lot of people out and including Christians because they don't know what the Word of God says could easily be taken care of if we would just know what God's, God has told us. God has written it, not to scare us, but to prepare us. And so many Christians aren't prepared. Because we just think time is going to go on. You know, everybody thought Jesus was coming back in their generation. Yeah, but until 1949, none of them were right. Uh, 48, thank you. 
1948, Israel became a nation. That was one of the biggest things that needed to happen. It is a nation. And it says that the generation that sees this will not pass away before the return of the Lord. Well, Pastor, you're scaring me. I'm not telling this to scare you. I'm telling this to prepare you. Now, does that mean that we know he's coming next week? No, no, no man knows the day or the hour. But just like Paul said, I don't need to write to you about this because you're not in the dark. So how could you be taken off guard by this? You're sons of light, daughters of day. We live under an wide open skies and know where we what? Stand. <clears throat> we should be as Christians standing rock solid today, not moved by the wars, not moved by famines, not moved by earthquakes. I, I'm saying not shaken by it. We should have compassion. We should, should pray. We should be supportive, which we are in this church, of a variety of fronts that people are struggling on. But we should definitely not be afraid or stressed or overwhelmed or undone. That's an indication of our lack of trust or lack of knowledge of God and trust in God. God's never let his people down. They've gone through a lot of things, but when they went through it, they knew God better than before because they saw what God could do that they didn't believe he could. There are things we're all going to go through, but God will bring us through. And as he brings us through, he brings us into what he's prepared, what he's planned. Every good and perfect gift. So let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. What are our eyes supposed to be on? Right. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I, I stopped watching the news. Well, then you're pretty ignorant about what's going on in the world. No, you don't have to watch the news to know what's going on. Because I found the news was distracting me and causing me to become a little bit anxious. And if I can't handle that, then I'm going to put it off. So that I can take that and put it towards what will build peace and hope and joy and confidence in me in the midst of all this stuff. It, I'm not in denial. It's just not my focus. And I would encourage some of you, you don't need to be watching that every week or every day. But you definitely, we definitely need to be looking at the Word of God. And so Paul says, you know, you don't need to be told. You know, you know. You're aware of the seasons. You're aware of the times. And last week I told you that there was a scripture that I didn't know was in the Bible. And there are a lot of scriptures I don't know that are in there. I've read all of them at least a couple of times. But I didn't remember this one. But it's in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 7. And this is what it says. Even the stork that flies across the sky knows what? The time of her migration, as do the turtle doves, the swallow, and the crane. They all return at the proper each year. Now, help me, because I may be a little confused here, because we in this world are very confused and very deceived in what's more important than something else. And we have made choices in our society and in our world that there are certain things that we don't deem as that important. Babies in the womb. Okay? I'm just saying that's a life and we deem it not important because it could interrupt somebody else's life. Now, I'm not here judging. I'm just saying if life is important, then life is important. Okay? And if somebody doesn't is not able to 
take care of that life that is growing within them, okay, I understand. That's, that's, it's good to know your limitations. But don't get rid of a life. Let that life live and let someone else take care of that life. Because there are people out there that can't have that happen in their life and are waiting. And I'm not here to make anybody feel bad, but I'm saying there's not just one solution that would bring death to a life because if life isn't important at any stage of it, then we're all in jeopardy. Next, it'll be old people. And then it'll be people that don't have hair. <laughs> or whatever we deem as a society that is not that important. So importance is on a sliding scale in our society. But God's got a fix on what's important. What was the pinnacle of God's creation? Mankind. And as much as he takes care of these birds and, and puts in them, it's time to migrate. Why do they migrate? Because, yeah, not because it's cold, because they'll die. Cold is how it's going to happen, but because if it was cold, we'd all migrate. Florida. <laughs> but, but God does this. God does this not only to those that migrate because they can't live through the cold. God created them. He doesn't want them to die. But what about the ones that stay through the winter? There are those that stay through the winter that are active. Birds and animals, right? Some of the animals do something that's very unique. They hibernate. But before they hibernate, there's something in them that causes them to go on a foraging terror. They go to eat everything they can find so they can build up the fat reserves so they can last through their hibernation. But the ones that don't hibernate, they begin to gather food so that they can make it through the winter. Man, they're smart. Where do you think that knowledge came from? God. God built it into them. Because he cares about them. So why wouldn't he have us give us the ability to be aware of the times and seasons so that we can prepare? And yet most people are walking around like, you know, nothing going on but what I got on my schedule. And I mentioned last week that the Bible says the coming of the Son of Man will be like the days of Noah. And we kind of jokingly talked about how Noah built this ark in his backyard and everybody was continuing to do what they were doing. And then he paraded the animals into the ark and they just didn't take any notice. You know, the ark was not a rowboat. The Bible says it was 300 cubits. That's not a word we use. Long. 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. So, what does that relate to? Well, a cubit was a distance of a man's forearm. How many of you know all of our forearms aren't the same? So they determined between 17.5 inches, 17 and a half inches, and 21 inches. All right, that's a little big. That's kind of my fishing So between 17 and a half and 21 inches. So 300 cubits. That's, 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 that's pretty big. And so this thing is being built right there. And people are just, they're having their barbecues. They're doing life just like it was. Nothing happening, nothing coming. They, they didn't know. Who knew? Who knew God's plan? Noah, who knew God's timing? Noah. And what did that afford Noah to do? Prepare. And he wasn't lost. But everybody else, they just went on with life because they didn't recognize. And I tell you today, 
that the world does not recognize the hour it's in, the time it's in, the seasons it's in. There's a revival happening all over the world. Revival is happening in America. It's been here and there and other places. But it is coming to America in a massive way. Just like it is throughout the world happening. And that revival precedes the return of the Lord. And how are we going to know? Because the world is not going to know, but we need to know. So when we look in Matthew chapter 16, we get an idea why people didn't know. Matthew chapter 16, verse 2 and 3, Jesus is saying to a group of people, he said, you know the saying, red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow. Red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. You know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky. But you don't know how inter to interpret the signs of the times. Now these people he's speaking to, they weren't followers of Jesus. They were very religious people. They did a lot of religious things. But they didn't have a desire to connect with God. So how is it, how is it that we should know the signs of the times, but we can read things in the world, but we can't recognize the things in the Spirit? In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. This is the guidance system God has along with the word of God for every Christian. And yet, the enemy has done a masterful job to try and keep us out of the word of God. That's there, I'll get to it. How many of you know every time you go to read the Bible on your own or pray, you remember things that you left undone, something comes up, I need to do this, I need to do that. But who do you think is behind that? I'll tell you, it's not God. Because that is the very thing that's going to rob you and me of what we need to prepare. Because we become aware of God's plan. And we become aware and sensitive to God's times and seasons. All who are led, that's, that's a choice. You know, there are people that are led by the Spirit of God here. And there are people that are not. They're led by their own desires and plans and intentions. And you don't know. You don't know who's being led by the Spirit of God and who's not. It's not our place to know anybody else. It's our place to make sure we're doing the best we can to be knowledgeable of God, aware of how He leads us or by His Spirit, and knowledgeable of the times and the seasons that He's making us aware of. It says they're the sons of God. And I want you to know that word is a very interesting word. It means builder of the family name. But the definition also indicates it's not just about a birth connection, a coincidence that you were born by them. See, the Bible says when we receive Jesus as Lord, we become born of God. Born of God. And so to be a son, it means to show the character and the attributes of the Father, to demonstrate his character. So when we're born of God, there should be a change that's always ongoing. We're becoming more and more like Jesus was in the earth, which was more and, and more revealing what his Father was like to a world that had never seen or known him in the way that God wanted them to see and know him. So we're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. And every Christian, how many of you have received Jesus as Lord of your life? I'm going to ask you to be bold. Put your hand up. You have the Spirit of God in you. The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living in you. The same Spirit that Jesus relied on to be able to live His life sinlessly. 
He lives in us. He empowers us. He imparts to us what we need. He, he guides us. In John chapter 16, verse 13, it says this. But when he, the spirit of truth, what does truth do? Sets you free and keeps you free. When he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit. So you can trust what you're getting from the spirit of God. But we always don't hear what we hear, and it's not always from the Spirit of God. That's why the Bible says, test the spirits. Well, how do you test the spirits? The only thing you can test what you're getting as far as guidance, as far as wisdom, as far as understanding, as far as leading, is you've got to know what the Word says. If you don't know what the Word says, you'll never know whether it's God or not. Because the enemy always comes sounding really good. It makes a whole lot of sense. It seems right. But whose end is the way of death. If it's not what the word says, then it's not God. I've paid a heavy price. I will tell you right now. I lost what... My family gained through previous families, our family, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because I thought I was hearing from God, but I didn't know what the Word of God said. And it was a really good thing. You couldn't find fault with what seemed to be what we were doing. And that's very sobering. And I want you to learn not at the same price I learned. Because I didn't know the word of God and because I just was led by what our hearts were wanting to do to be able to help other people, we were robbed. And it wasn't God, it was the enemy. But I let him. But I know what the word says. And I'm holding on to it. If you find a thief stealing, you can demand a sevenfold return. I hold on to that. But when the spirit of truth, the truth giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. We need truth on every situation in every circumstance we find ourselves in because truth is going to set you free. The whole truth, the whole full truth, for he will not speak of his own message, of his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears. Now look at this. From the Father. Your heavenly Father wants the best for you. He's always wanted the best for you before you even became part of his family. And receive Jesus as Lord. He wanted the best for you and he showed you because he gave his son. He gave his best for our best. Cost him dearly. From the Father, he'll give the message that has been given to him. And look at this. And he will announce and declare the things that are to come. That will happen in the future. Those are the times and the seasons. But if we're not being led by the Spirit, and it takes practice, just like that man with his wife, he had to practice in how he directed. Our, our Heavenly Father doesn't have to practice. Holy Spirit doesn't have to practice how to direct us. But we, just like his wife had to, had to attune her hearing and intentionally listen for one voice out of all the noise that was going on all around her. Because if she didn't, she'd make the wrong turn, and it would cost her. But if she got to the place where she could listen for that one voice that she trusted, she could have a ball. And that's what God wants. God wants you to enjoy this life. 
But the life he wants you to enjoy is not the life that the world offers to you. It's the life he has for you, the abundant, overflowing life with no sorrow. But there's sorrow in this world. There's pain in this world. We're going to go through that. Just like that, that woman went through some uneven, some very steep, and even got to the place where she could ski through not real dense, but somewhat mogul-y fields. And if you don't know what moguls are, who skis here? Talk to them. I don't have time. I've run out of time. I've gone over time. Please forgive me. I've taken five more minutes of your time. But I think it was worth it. Times and seasons, plans. No better plan. No one else has perfect timing but God. And with the perfect plan and the perfect timing, you will have the abundant life in a fallen world. When every head bowed and every eye closed. Understand, it is like we sang today and, and we said today, we lift our hands in victory, but we have to lift our hands in surrender first. We can't have the victory of God. We can't have the provision of God. We can't have what God has planned for us until we surrender to him. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, to be your Savior, your Lord, your Master, then that's the first step. Or online. And I'm going to invite everyone to pray with me, but I'm going to invite you specifically, if you've never surrendered your life to God, to surrender today. To turn from running your own life and turn your life over to the one who died to give you a new and living way to walk in, abundant life. So with that, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came to earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for my sins and shame, was raised from the dead, glorious and victorious, now seated at the right hand of his Father. Lord Jesus, I surrender. I turn to you, and I turn my life over to you. I repent from running my own life, and I receive your forgiveness and your lordship in my life. Govern me, guide me, Guard me today and every day. I thank you from this day forward. I am yours. You are mine. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. If you prayed today, please let somebody know that you prayed. If you prayed online, Go to the website, reslifeny.org, scroll down to where the prayer requests are, and let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you by name, give us your name, and if you want us to contact you, give us contact information. Now, for the rest of us, what we've talked about is, is having God be really the one that's in control of our life, and that's, that freaks a lot of us out because we're real control freaks. We want to control our lives. And yet we, we know we can't, but there's one who can who will always guide us, not in the easiest path, not always in the smoothest path, but always in the best path for our lives because this is about more than us. There are people watching us that are going through some of the hardest things that anyone could ever go through, and they're watching to see how we go through things and seeing that we may be go through, going through some of the same things, but we're not having the same end. And it causes them to just wonder what's with them. And God can work with that because when that happens, people start to question. They ask, what's going on? Why? Why? I'm smarter than them. I'm stronger than them. I'm more resourceful than them. And they ask, why is this happening? God answers questions. When... We need the answer. The Bible says, ask, seek, and knock. 
When you ask, you'll be given. When you seek, you'll find. When you knock, it'll be open for you. So when people are in that place, they're there because they're watching somebody else do something they never dreamed was possible. And that somebody is you. They're watching you to see God work in your life. Let him.